Welcome back to the second podcast episode from our Sailboat Diaries series down in the Caribbean. If you're not familiar with the series, I would highly recommend you go check it out on our YouTube channel before listening to this full episode. If you did listen to the previous podcast episode, you will hear some overlaps and repeated stories, but for the most part, we go super in-depth on everything that happened and some of the stuff that didn't quite make the series. But before we get into this episode, I did want to let you guys know that we released a brand new merch line alongside the release of this series. We released some brand new sun hoodies, some brand new performance hats, as well as a limited run of Sailboat Diaries gear. This is definitely the best gear that we've put out to date, and um, I think you guys will, will think the same as well. So if you're interested in helping support the podcast, helping support the channel and the films that we make, it would mean a lot if you guys check that out. It's at wild-fly.com shop. And now let's get into the episode. All I was thinking about was, can I hook this fish? I wasn't even thinking about like, oh, so, it's got well, teeth and it's going to chop. Well, the- can we pause here real quick? So I, I understand that's all you thought about, but like, let's just take a break here and discuss <laughs> what was your game plan after you hooked it. Because <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. Is like, what, were your, what would you do after you hooked it? Because at one point you were hiding behind Adam. <laughs> okay, we'll get people. there, we'll get there, we'll get there. I, I didn't have a plan. I just, I was, I had the, I had the rod. And I was step like, one, hook the fish. I'm going to hook the fish. <laughs> let's, let's complete step one. When, the, when there's a four foot fish on the flat, you're going to cast at it. Welcome back. What are we doing? We're, we're podcasting today. I'm not that drunk yet, so I don't win. Hopefully this, my Thank shadow God. isn't all up in yet. But you look great. Sorry, it's it's sunset and it's a little funky lighting here. Probably for those gonna, of you pr- watching. Probably going to be funky from start to finish. It smells funky in here. Yeah. So, matter. second podcast from this trip. We have been doing this the last couple of trips that we've been on where we just kind of do a recap, like a deep dive into the, the trips. Kind of, I, I think it's really fun to, to talk, just kind of recap it and us like talk back through the trip because we get to kind of relive it and you know, usually after a fishing trip, if we were just doing this for shits and giggles, we probably wouldn't fire the mics up and maybe have this conversation. So I think it's fun to kind of reflect on the trip. Maybe we can talk about some things we learned, talk about some stuff that maybe doesn't make the final films, kind of some of the behind the scenes. And uh, some of this might end up in the film, in the, the final films. So, wow, yeah, we. I think this is a cool no way for, for the podcast community, for the crew to to listen to more in depth on some of the stuff that you see on the YouTube channel Dude, and on hope, the films. I hope I can make it in the final film. I, I hope you can too. I won't. It's going right. to be a great frame and I'm just going to be like, whoop, shadow. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm going to try my hardest tonight. So where do we begin? Man, I don't even know where. In the beginning, God created boat and fish. <laughs> That's the and it was good. <laughs> and then he created flats on the second day. <laughs> And on the third day, he created the crab pattern. <laughs> well, th- this was the first trip we've been on in a while where we're targeting a fish that at least us three, Steve, Brian, and I had never chased after, never caught. And I know this is all for us like a bucket list fish. So I, I think coming into this trip, we were all super fired up. Obviously, hadn't done bone fishing, so we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. But we knew that they fought like crazy and they were in some beautiful places and uh, Adam had the place and the idea for it to make it happen. Yeah. 
real quick though. So I lost a bonefish fly on a tarpon a few weeks ago. Does that count at all? Because we saw no. bonefish at the same time. <laughs> they were on this side of the boat. And I was guys on this side. Of the boat. No, that does not count. Okay, fair enough. That just counts as you breaking off a tarpon. I don't like to think like that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sad. So I think to start out coming into this, what was everyone's expectations? Like, how are we feeling? What What did you guys kind of expect, or you know? about the whole trip and bonefish in general to your point earlier like it was it's definitely a bucket list fish for me um you know we all have that ranking of fish that we want to go after and um i i get that you can go for bonefish even stateside uh you don't have to go to an exotic place for that and we've we've discussed that trip but adam's like dude we have to go here because the bone fishing that you will find down here is on the next level he's like you'll go there you'll catch a bonefish then you'll never want to bonefish anywhere else and i was like yeah i'm sold let's do it and so that was the expectation I had coming in here. It was a, it was more of a headhunting game, not a numbers game, and it delivered. It, it took every ounce of patience and lack thereof of patience that you can see when I spear a, a very nice setup of a rod into the surf. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but we got it done. It took a little bit of time. It took a lot of trial and error. It took a lot of you know R and D and just trying to figure it out at all. But it paid off, and I'm more than happy to say that I, every bit of this trip was exactly what I expected even more so. And I'm so glad we made it down here. Okay. We'll unpack some of these certain scenarios, like what Steve just talked about, but I feel like we're just trying to gather like general expectations before the trip actually happened. So you, were you nervous about the trip? Were you excited? Like, why were you excited? Like, was it what you thought was the, Oh, there you go. Was the boat, what you thought was, the fishing, what you expected. I came in here with zero expectations and I enjoyed every bit of it. Love it. That's wow. about it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, Adam did all the research for it. Uh, had everything laid out for us. I know what bonefish are. I've fished for carp in Pinhook Creek. Um, so I <laughs> spot understand. burner. Spot burn. I'll burn. Spot burn. <laughs> there's, there's no fish there anymore to burn anyway. So who, who cares? Um, so I have a general understanding of how to fish for these in a sense. But at the same time, this is a brand new scenario for me. I, the, my first real saltwater experience was, what, two weeks before yep. this trip? And so I came in here just understanding that I didn't know what I was doing. And if I could just have a good shot at one, it would be a good trip. Yep. And that, that's it. I just wanted to come here. I wanted to have a good shot at it. And if I could, I would be happy with that because I don't, I don't have the saltwater experience behind it. I'm an extremely noob to this, extreme rookie to this. And I knew I had a lot work to do. So overall... That's how it was for me. There we go. I was in the same place as Steve. Well, I'm, I'm, I had a little bit more saltwater experience, DIY experience, but like, I didn't really know what to expect coming into this, and uh, I just wanted to at least get one or two shots at a bonefish, and uh, it's it was number one on my list. Um, it bonefish was number one on my list coming into this trip, and nice. Uh, I just, there's like obviously way better or way more interesting fish to me to obtain, but I feel, I felt like on my list, the bonefish was, uh, way more easy to obtain. So that's why I kind of put it up there to number one. There's obviously like cooler species. I feel like more realistic for you to make a trip. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's why bonefish was number one. And yeah, so I was, I was pretty excited coming into here. I think too, from having 
<clears throat> some redfish experience and really being so like every time I leave a red fishing trip, I'm just so stoked and cannot wait to go back. I'm telling myself, I'm telling my friends, Oh, I'm moving down to the coast. Like that's always how I feel. And I think it is because it's so much different from what I grew up doing with, uh, trout fishing and then smallmouth fishing and everything. You're, you're fishing when you're trout fishing, like you're, you're running indicator rigs, you're running dry dropper, you're constantly casting and constantly moving. But with, the bone fishing and just the saltwater in general, most of the time you're hunting these fish and you only get one or two shots maybe at a fish, or maybe you only cast like five times during the whole day. So you have to make those five shots count. And I think having that experience with redfish and then coming into this being really excited to chase another, like a sight fishing type of deal. Um, but in a completely new environment, completely new part of the world that I've never been to always kind of wanted to explore but it never seemed like a possibility it still doesn't feel like we did this trip yeah like mm-hmm. bonefish i feel like growing up getting into fly fishing you see it on these films and you hear about it in fly shops and stuff but it just seems so exotic like, i'll never be able to do that but the fact that we made it here and did the trip and now being able to kind of reflect on it it's pretty pretty wild i i at least personally think that's a. Uh that's, I think that's a misconception. Right. It's a total fish. misconception. <clears throat> because I think they are a pretty obtainable fish. Like you said, you kind of put it at the top because you somewhat knew, felt like it was an attainable fish. It's more obtainable to me than like Timon or. Oh, for sure. Or like Golden Dorado or something. I mean, I think a lot of people in the U.S., I mean, you know, you've got Hawaii's got a lot and so does Florida. Flights to Florida are cheap. Yeah. You can get to Florida easy. I mean, and there's a lot of DIY water around bone fishing. You can get out of the country easily. Mexico's got a ton of bone fish. Bahamas. The Bahamas have a ton of bone fish. Everywhere in the Caribbean has a bunch of bone fish. They have really cheap flights down there. They've got cruises down there. I mean, yes, it's more than it would cost you more than taking a road trip to, you know, maybe Montana or East Tennessee or the Northeast, wherever to go trout fishing might take you a little more money than that to get out, to go on a DIY bone fishing trip, but really not that much. If you paired, okay, I'm going to take a vacation and I'm going to go on a bone fishing trip. It, it really is not a very expensive trip to go on. I feel like if you're from the East and like we're from, and then you maybe make a trip out to Montana or something you know, you're flying out, you spend money on lodging, you spend money on flies or whatever you get, get down there. I feel like it's pretty similar pricing. It might be a little more expensive, but if you just swap that trip out for a saltwater trip, I feel like it's totally doable. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's very, it's, it's pretty negligible whether you're going to go on a trip to Montana or a trip to Belize or Mexico to go bone fishing. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty comparable. Yeah. You just, obviously, if you're going to go out international, there's just a little more logistics now with COVID stuff and, you know, running it or also passports and stuff. There might be a little bit more like logistically for you to do, but if, I really don't think it's that bad. If the logistics stop you from boat fishing because you've got to fill out the paperwork to get back in the country and get a QR code, <laughs> you don't deserve the bone fish. Go home. It really wasn't that hard. That's all I'm going to say. I'd leave it right there. Yeah, I... <laughs> I think we've the entire time driving back 
in like traveling back here, we've just been on Google Maps looking at oh, yeah. places around the world. We're already yeah. finding different flats. Two. We're like, all right, this yeah. is sick. <laughs> and you realize how many flats there are. That's insane. Absolutely oh, yeah. insane. It, I don't. I mean, it, I don't know. It's a little crazy. Like we came and kind of did this trip for a lot of reasons other than just the fishing. I feel like. I mean, we obviously we're talking about the fishing, but there's a reason we came to where we where we did, and the reason that we did it here. I mean, I think it's a great bone fishery, but there's a ton of great bone fisheries out there. I mean, it. You can look this stuff up all over the place. If there's guides in the area that guide for bonefish, guess what? You can go DIY, do a DIY trip there. Like no matter where it's at, I mean, there's so much good information on bone fishing online that you could find a, a flat nearly anywhere that either you or your significant other wanted to go to either a lodge or a little resort or something, or just go get a hotel on the beach somewhere. Yeah. For and don't spend a ton of money to go do it. Well, like what we found out on this past trip was how convenient the dinghies were. Yeah. I, I was kind of nervous coming into it because I all I all you see on Instagram, all you see on YouTube or whatever is people fishing out of skiffs, people with guides or whatever fishing out of the boat. And you're like, man, that's just we can't rent one of those. But we had two dinghies that we just motored out to our spot, anchored the dinghies, and we had miles and miles of flat that we just walked around. Yeah, and that did yeah. the trick. So if you can go down and just get a hotel, cheap hotel somewhere, yeah. kayak, rent a dinghy or a, or a kayak. Board. Oh yeah, I mean we saw people, you know, fishing off stand up paddle boards and stuff. Like, that's perfect as long as you can anchor it or beach it or something. Yeah, that's perfect for it. Yeah, I think one of the best things too for bonefish is it's a it's a pretty attainable fish as far as like practicing goes, but then it also as far as like getting there and catching one. Obviously, your expectations, you know, when you go on any saltwater trip, need to be very drastically different than if you're going bass fishing or trout fishing but there's a lot of other species that you could fish for in the u.s that are similar to either like say you know you're going on a bone fishing trip and you want to like prepare or practice or something like you we already talked about redfish are pretty similar carp is another very similar species i mean they call them like the golden bones and the redneck bonefish yeah like go carp fishing, maybe take a carp guide or something. Go, you know, go to a redfish trip or a carp trip. And I mean, I think they're very similar so that that way, when you do finally, if you put in a little bit of legwork and you finally show up to the bonefish flat and you're like, okay, I kind of have a rough idea of what I'm doing. I think the chances of you being pretty successful by yourself are relatively high. Yeah. Like there, I don't feel like they're super picky. If yeah, the pick. fly choice, I don't think... You don't need some special fly. You just need a couple of yeah. variety. Some shrimp, some crab. And the the biggest thing is having the different depths. You know, you've got the different weights of flies. And I think that's the biggest thing. Is just, as long as you pick the right depth for what we were doing, we got we did throw out one shrimp pattern that just totally got refused. Well, and I think that was more or less the, the flat that we were fishing to. We went right. from a sand flat to a more of a coral ba- and sand right. flat where we all, there was a lot more crabs there yeah. and that's what those fish wanted was actually right. crabs. So they so we, were keying in on the shrimp. Right. So we swapped to a crab. Boom. Immediately. We caught three or we hooked three on the, on that crab that day. Like as soon as we got there. So you don't have to call me out like that. Oh, I call both of you out, but anyway, oh, you're getting called out. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think generally, yeah, you don't need a ton of flies. It's definitely not like going trout fishing. Dude, we, the, 
the amount of gear that we used was it was almost hysterical coming from a trout world. Oh yeah. We had all we had was literally a rod with our leader on it and our line or whatever. We had fly and that was it. Like you had a pack with a fly box that we didn't use. That we barely used. Hardly at all. <laughs> I don't like one rod, I don't think we switched flies the entire trip. I we only lost fly one, the entire time. Yeah, yeah, we only lost one fly yeah, on I'm a sorry. fish. I'm, I'm sorry. not I'm not calling you out. I'm just telling you. We only lost between the four of us one fly for the whole trip. So mm-hmm. Like the amount of gear that you need to do, you definitely don't. If you were going to say, okay, I'm going to fly out to Montana and go uh, trout fishing by myself, the, you would spend so much more on flies than uh, if you, to like really get set up. Yeah. Than if you were going to come down here, you need yeah. t- 12 flies. Maybe bring an extra fly line in case something messes yeah, up. Yeah, pack a spare fly line, some spare leaders, some spare tippet or whatever. Yeah. That's about all you need to change. And a dozen flies. It's not like you're going to show up to the flat and then then it's like, oh, well, there's not shrimp here anymore. Or there's there's right. not yeah. crabs here anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, those are the two things that are on the menu. And those are probably the two things we're going to use. And, yeah. And, Get a uh, few crabs, a few shrimp, and then a few different weights, and yeah. maybe a two or three colors. Yeah. And yeah. you're done. So well, And a bite guard for Scotty. Yeah. yeah, you were saying we only lost one fly. Well, that's wrong. All right, at casting for bonefish, we only lost. <laughs> I knew you were going to lose that fly. I just let you do it. Let's run through. That was a pretty intense situation. So here's what happened. Essentially, I forget what day it was, but B and I roll up to the flat. You guys had beat us there because you had the faster dinghy. Y'all were out, you know, looking for tails or whatever, and we roll up and anchor the boat up. And we had just saw a tarpon, like where we were pulling in. So I had the 10 weight ready to go. I was, I was like, oh shit, we're going to cast at him. And then you guys are starting to walk back towards the boat and you guys just jump out of the water. What happened there? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Adam and I had ran that flat and we were walking back up to the boat to get a, uh, beverage as it were and came across a four foot barracuda and a- a big one. A, a big old barracuda. And I don't know if you've ever seen a barracuda, but them teeth, they, they ornery. You don't want to get near <laughs> it's them. A scary looking yeah. fish. <laughs> and uh, so Adam and I are like, and this thing's not scared of us. Like a lot of the like reef sharks and you know, lemon sharks that we saw there in the shallows and the flats that, you know, they get close to us. They'd see us. And they would just spook. Oh boy was not spooked. They're, they're territorial. I'm not saying like I thought it, I'm not like, oh, this, we're about to get attacked mm-hmm. by this barracuda, but they, there are reported attacks on people as we found out as, as we know, but you know, still I just puts me uneasy being in a, that in the water, shin deep water, shin deep (laughs) water with a four to four and a half foot barracuda that has some very big teeth that is not scared of you. We're slapping our (laughs) rods in the water and stuff, trying to spook him off. He's like, I don't care. Keep doing me. Yeah. And I just see this. Oh yeah. I just see this shadow in this, massive fish and I because th- I just saw the tarpon so I figured oh it's a tarpon for whatever reason and so I jump out there with the 10 weight just kind of running out towards to get in casting range make a cast I lead him with the 10 weight strip strip and it he turns on the fly yeah he and eats. I keep stripping he, and I keep casting he at eats. him he eats and you set the hook and I didn't know <laughs> and I keep casting at him and I was like dude I don't think you have a fly on anymore. You hear that bat cast, you hear that bull whip. You're like, there's not a fly there we, anymore. We look at it, clean bite. Oh, oh yeah. So we quickly turn, put on another one. He's still kind of cruising around there. Now, why did we there. quickly put on another one? Because What's the definition of insanity? 
doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different <laughs> outcome. Hmm, okay. Einstein. Was, we just was, thought maybe this time. Just <laughs> may, maybe just, this time. You, you know, just said that it That last one was a fluke. Yeah. yeah <laughs> There's teeth that are this big. There's I, no way. All I was thinking about was, can I hook this fish? I wasn't even thinking about like, oh, so, it's got well, teeth and it's going to chop. Well, the, can we pause here real quick? So I, I understand that's all you thought about, but like, let's just take a break here and discuss <laughs> what was your game plan after you hooked it. Because <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. Is like, what, were your, what would you do after you hooked it? Because at one point you were hiding behind Adam. <laughs> okay, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. I, I didn't have a plan. I just, I was, I had the, I had the rod. And I was step like, one, hook the fish. I'm going to hook the fish. <laughs> let's, it, let's complete step one. When, the, when there's a four foot fish on the flat, you're going to cast at it. Let's just simply put it. But then Adam and I go out there. I was like, Adam has a GoPro. He's filming. And... We uh, we just track down this fish, make a cast on him, and this D- different fly. We changed different flies. fly, gotta, yeah, different fly. Ready to roll. This fish is still cruising around. Did you put a bite guard on this time? <laughs> well, no. it didn't have a bite guard. It had forty pound. Yeah, that is what I normally use for tarpon as like a tarpon bite guard. I've found like forty pound is generally pretty set. Tarpon don't have sharp teeth. They do not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just remember I'm, I wasn't thinking. I was thinking catch the fish. I'm just trying to lay the facts out for the viewers. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So but I had we, four, so I had forty pound. We put a brand pound. new minnow. Pretty much the exact same thing you just ate. Yeah. We get out there, make a cast at him. I thought it was a pretty decent cast with the wind and the situation. He turns on the fly, starts starts heading straight towards Adam and I. And you know you've seen in films or whatever guys like running backwards as they're stripping the fly. Well, that happened. We <laughs> we see a four foot barracuda start coming right towards us, which is pretty terrifying. Because I mean, he's not going to attack you, but you you just don't know that. And uh, so we're stripping this fly. He's coming at us. We're Adam. I'm like hiding behind Adam <laughs> as we're running backwards. And. Sure enough, he eats it again. <laughs> and meanwhile, you guys are watching from afar, just like laughing at me, laughing at the, or the situation. You yeah, saw the whole thing. Yeah, we're sitting there just posted up <laughs> in the front of the dinghies there, just laughing <laughs> our butts off at this thing. And I guess, B, what were your, what were your thoughts on this whole process? Because it was, it, it, it was interesting to say the least to watch this unfold. <laughs> oh, I was, I was sick at the time, so I was not feeling too great, but, uh, even through my sickness, I was able to awaken from the bow of the boat and laugh my ass off at this <laughs> fish cruising out the flat after these guys and them running backwards. And I felt Scotty was about to climb on my shoulders and just be up here. Casting from yeah. Like what's that pool game where you yeah. get on each other's shoulders, chicken or chicken, whatever. Yeah. I felt like you were about to be up on yeah. my shoulders. Yeah. yeah. While that barracuda is just <laughs> eating all the meat around your ankle bones. Yeah. I just, yeah, that was, I didn't realize in the moment, but when you, you're not really thinking when a four foot barracuda is no. swimming towards you, and I was just like, uh, yeah, I, we I was, were both back and we were both, like, what the fuck are you doing? You're like, don't hide behind me. <laughs> All right. So what happened with, the, the, again, the, that the, second fly? Well, to our, unsurprisingly enough, the fish ate, snapped the line like that. Didn't even feel him. Who could, even, in a shocking turn of events, I would say. <laughs> I don't think he necessarily snapped it. He just sheared straight through it. He <laughs> just he just had a little bite and it was gone. <laughs> so that was that. We didn't catch the barracuda. There it went. <laughs> but... RIP that fly. Next time we'll have a wire leader yep. set up ready. Yeah. Because we would have caught that fish and that would have been wild fighting that fish. Yeah. In the flat. 
I would have gotten some really good footage from the <laughs> from the dinghy if he caught that fish. Yeah, I've caught a couple pretty big barracuda. They they are fun. But like They're while waiting. No, I've never caught one while in the water with them. Yeah, I know that I want to do that, but it is what it is. Well, backtracking a little bit, getting getting to where we fished was pretty. It was a there were a lot of steps. Yes, it was a lot of logistics and a lot of separate traveling. Like it was a lot of flights, a lot of boat rides, and everything. And we ran into a bit of a snare when we got to the ferry dock with Steve. Steve, you want to run us through what happened there? No. No comment. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, some issues with the uh, COVID test I was supposed to have to get in country. You have to have, what is it, a, uh, one for 24 hours ahead of time. And yep. there was an issue with my paperwork on that. And I was close to not being able to get. Yeah, so I was, you know, very close to not being able to get in, into in country there um, because the paperwork wasn't filled out correctly. And thankfully, there were some very nice ladies at the dock there that were like, hey, go fill it out right now. Just send me the screenshots of your test because we had the test done and everything. Like we were fine. The paperwork just was not filled right. out correctly. And so I did that, went back over there once it was filled out correctly and submitted and showed her that. She sent some pictures off of the screenshots I had. And thankfully, she had a, f- a friend over there that could help us out because it was Sunday. Like who's working in the government on Sunday? Yeah. I yep. work I work as a contractor for the government. We don't work Sundays. Yeah. Right. So no one in the government's working Sundays, period. And push it through and we were able to get on the ferry, you know, 20, 30 minutes after I submitted it, we're able to get on there. And it's just like one of those things that, you know, and, and as we saw this entire trip, the people out here for the most part are some of the friendliest people we've met. They they're they're willing to help you out. You just gotta ask. And thankfully they helped us out there. Because the alternative was you would have to wait to get approved two for up to two days. Yes. So we right when that where when they flagged in, they're like, "Ah, this doesn't work or whatever. You need to fill this other thing out to get approved." They were like, "Yeah, probably two days it'll take." So So we thought we were going to be stuck for two days, not getting. Mm -hmm. There was a there was a feeling over the rest of the group, like, "Well, dang." Sorry, Steve. Yeah. Well, I don't know what Steve's going to be doing back. You know, left behind while we're out, out there catching boats. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Ex- I'll take that express ferry. I'll be there before you guys get there. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're already on the flat. When we get there. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there already. <laughs> but oh. we we made it through. Fortunately, it got cleared. And we got on our way, and we got to sail. Yeah. Adam showed us how it's done. Yeah. Showed us how to to run the sails and kind of keep things going. How I to, thought yeah. how was, to do sailing. How to do sailing. Yeah. We found our vessel parked there after we ferried in. Old Seize the Day, that was the name. <laughs> we got the rundown from the dock master and, and, uh, oh, good you good. got the rundown from the dock master and then we set sail. We set sail that, that next morning and, uh, it was a little bit different. We had some things to learn and, Adam was shouting at us like he always does, and, <laughs> and uh, we had to learn a, a couple things about sailing first. We had an experienced captain, but an unexperienced crew. Some trial by fire for you guys. Yeah. So it was like a little nerve wracking. We're like, okay, what do we do now, captain? Because we're all we're totally dependent on you. We <laughs> yeah. don't know what we're doing. So do you wrap this rope this way or or that way or? 
It's always the way that you don't think. That yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know what the hell a lifeline is. Just say the fucking railing next time. That's what it's called. <laughs> Just say the railing. It's called I, a I, lifeline. Bruh. Have I sailed before? No. We Try- were also putting a lot of trust in Adam. We had never seen him sail before. I've, I've never <laughs> known you to be a sailor or anything. I know you know your way around a raft, but this man's yeah. only p- artist on his playlist is Jimmy Buffett. Of course, he knows how to sail. Yeah. If there's one thing you should know about Adam and his music taste is Jimmy Buffett is the only thing you're going to find. He's a giant yeah, parrothead. That's fine. That's, fine. If that's, any, that's what they call. If him. I've learned anything about Adam, it's through Jimmy Buffett. Okay. And Pendags. And we got our fair. We got our fair share of. Jimmy Buffett on this trip by like day four or five we were all Jimmy Buffeted out yeah and uh, we were we were all Jimmy Buffett every out. single one of yeah. us really <laughs> even Adam was no. he's lying if he no, says no. anything different Jimmy had actually uh, purchased a little property in Brian's head during the trip yeah. and uh, he, was, he was living there rent free yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was this one song that kept playing <laughs> and playing and playing I believe it was called the Pascagoula Run God the weather Whatever. is here. <laughs> I listen to Ryan's own cowboy before I listen to that one. Again. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, tell us about your, uh, your sailing experience, why we should trust, why we should have trusted you and not, not worried. And what did you think about how we did or how do you think we did the, the first morning? How did we do? So my, I mean, my sailing experience has been for, down here in the Caribbean with my dad. I mean, my dad kind of taught me how to do it and, uh, taking family trips here. So I just kind of knew how the boat worked, knew how to operate it. And, uh, anyways, obviously when you're kind of filling out the, obviously they won't just rent anybody a boat. You got to fill out a bunch of paperwork and kind of have some proof of what you've done in the past, things like that. So that was a lot of the logistics that I was handling. And, uh, uh anyways, I get, I mean, is the first day is the as a crew, I thought y'all did pretty good. I mean, it's, as long as you've got someone who's like, all right, black rope is cu- is coming in. All right. <laughs> now the black rope is going out. <laughs> all right. Now that rope is coming in and this rope is going out. And, you know, as long as you've got like one person, I, I don't know that I could sail that boat myself, but as long as I have like someone, I'm like, okay, you run that winch, you release this. And then I'm still just steering the boat where it needs to be. Like, it was, it was perfect. If you can follow instructions, you can sail. Right. Yeah. If you're like, okay, we've got this rope. Is, this is coming this way. So here's the winch. Here's how you know, pull it by hand. Here's the winch, however you want to do it. So as long as we kind of got the ropes figured out, y'all kind of picked up really quick. Like, okay, these are like the couple of ropes that we're going to use the whole time. And then once we got that figured out, you guys are really good at like, really starting to figure it out. Like when I said, okay, all right, we're going to turn you guys, th- this rope is going this way. This rope's going the other way. Like y'all it was, pretty easy, good with that. It was easy to follow. Yeah. Like after we saw it a couple times and maybe messed up a couple times, it was really easy to, yeah. to pick up on what was going on and kind of the, you know, how, it, how sailing works. Yeah. Um, so we are all masters now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're all a super experienced sailing crew can sail any boat around the world and <laughs> any, any seas, any wind, we have no issues now. So, so how long was that, that first <laughs> extent, uh, that first stint of the trip? That first, first sail that we did was what? Six or eight miles. I think we did pretty good. I mean, we made pretty good time. I mean, it took an afternoon, but you know, yeah. It's really pretty cool when you like like 
sailing around. Like we turn the like we get going and we turn the motors off. Like you're just it's just silent. You're just it's silent, but you're you know, you're just sailing. I don't yeah. know. I like that. I like that. That, that was a cool moment when we we're like, you know, me and Steve got up there and we put the mainsail up and then you're like, hey, twist that, pull that over there. And then it it was like, all right, we're good, guys. And then shut the motor off. And it was just just yeah. cruising, cruising that's over the waves. My favorite. That's my favorite part of like not of the this trip or like the fishing, but definitely that's like my favorite part of the sailing aspect is you get the motor running because of course you use the motor to you know, motor around the harbors or the docks or wherever you're at, and then you finally kind of get out where you're you know you can sail, and then you kind of get going and you shut those motors down. That's my favorite thing to do. Love that. It was really cool, um, but we we sailed. You said six or seven miles. Or? It was like six. I don't know, six to eight miles that first day. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, that was like my first, wow, there's roosters crowing everywhere. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's roosters a rooster right outside. All over the road here. It's really weird at dusk, not dawn. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to do about that. That one's fucked up. But <laughs> he's anyways, he's on that island we, time. <laughs> we sailed that whole afternoon to get to our first spot, kind of a staging spot to where we were going to launch the next day. And that was kind of like my first taste of like this, the life that we were going to be living for the next couple days. And I'll never forget it. Adam just, you know, I just have it imprinted in my brain, just his physique. He, you know, (laughs) ripped off his shirt and just (laughs) dove into the water. And I was like, wow. (laughs) Like, Whoa. (laughs) This is life for the next two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was cool. You're like, yeah, I'm going in the water. Yeah. I'm, I'm burning up right now. I'm going to go in the water. And And we're all like, like no, no hesitation, Adam. Just cannonballs into the water. Like we just parked the boat. What? <laughs> Little did we know that that's literally what we were going to do every day. Oh yeah, that was going to be our shower every day. It was really pretty nice uh, every day. You were, you were so nonchalant too about the showering. Asking you about it coming into it. What, what does the showering look like? Yeah, just you know, you just throw some soap on, jump in the ocean really quick, and rinse yeah. off. Not just any soap. It's yeah. got to be Joy. You have to use Joy because it's like the biodegradable and stuff. You know, there or Dawn. A uh, Dawn's the same. Yeah, or whatever say, like, you use. Why not Dawn? Like they. Oh, Dawn's clean, more expensive. Dawn's clean, way more expensive. They clean penguins with that. Like, is it not <laughs> any of that stuff? What do you have fine. against Dawn? It's more expensive. <laughs> Anti gold digger. Now? I like that lemon scent. I don't know what the blue scent is. I will say the lemon scent got the mullet feeling really fresh. Raspberry though. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you just lather that stuff up and clean off the couple areas you got to clean yeah. off and you're done. One of the coolest things I thought about the, the first sailing trip we took was, I mean, we did this multiple times, but the first one we threw on a bunch of burgers on the grill Oh yeah. and the grill is kind of hanging off the back of the boat. And so the little charcoal grill. So we threw it, we lit it up, grilled some burgers while we're just sailing across the Atlantic or the Caribbean. It's just so cool. We ate yep. lunch there and, uh, I don't know. Those toss, didn't we toss the boat on autopilot and just ate some lunch and mm-hmm. drank yeah. some beers and just relaxed? Yep. Very good. Well, Stephen didn't relax. Really. <laughs> Not for long. Yeah, well, I mean, I I ate my burger and it, it went through me. <laughs> yep. And so part of living on these vessels is uh, you got to get used to one another and, and, uh, not having personal space. And, um, it just, the, the amenities are small. 
Yep. And there's a certain way you got to do things when you you're using the bathroom. You know, you're on a pretty much a floating RV, and so yep, the toilets are a little bit different. And so my burger kind of went straight through me. You know, no, normal process, and I I had to go. And so there's I don't know if we showed on the camera, but our little bathroom has like a it has that eject button for like when you do a big a big time number two or is it number one? Is it number two or number one? It was two. number two. Yeah. You two big yeah. time. It, it had that number two button, the the big eject grinder button. And uh it kicks in another gear and <laughs> And I, I, you, gotta, you gotta turn the motor on and get it up to fifteen hundred RPMs. Yeah. yeah, and I unfortunately or fortunately for me, unfortunately for Steven, but I was the first one to try that function out. And uh yeah. sent it straight into the holding was, tanks uh, and you were Yeah. Mm. I was down there doing my business. I was like, man, this is kinda nice. We were kinda you know, floating over the sea. I'm like, okay, which button do I press here? Man, that smells bad. <laughs> and I press that button and it just shoots it down the hole in my man. And all of a sudden here, yeah, really muffled like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I come up there and it's like, um, it's like a, a scene out of like a war movie where I come out of the water and there's like combat going on. <laughs> Scotty's over here like filming. And uh, I'm uncontrollably laughing. Yeah, you're dying laughing. Steven is just hurled over the boat. <laughs> and what happened was my, uh, you know, it went down the uh, beat, pipe. He shit himself to an exponential amount. And I couldn't control it. It went down the pipe, and there has to be some sort of exhaust. Yeah. There's valve that blows off every time. And yeah. When you're going. Well, at like, well, it'd be like you put. If you put liquid into the tank, there's got to be some air go somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... And, and within the air travels a little bit of a scent. A little bit of a... Yeah. So it that just a hint that did of not something. work so well with Steven's stomach. Yeah. It just I should say your stomach was maybe pre-dispositioned. So let, me, let me just throw my side of the story out there real quick. So the night before, some alcohol had been consumed. Strange. Some. Quite a bit. And uh, my stomach just wasn't sitting well. I had some Caribs that morning. <laughs> you, you would thought you would think that you know the best way to detox is to retox, but in that in that case, it helped the uh, headache, but not the stomach being uneasy. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let me get some food in here. We'll be fine. And we got some nice juicy burgers in there, and it's like it was not sitting well. And I was like fifty fifty. I was like, okay, I maybe you know we we do a little puking rally here in a bit. And then I just smell this. Just got a whiff. I got a whiff of something that was just not holy. <laughs> like, just like. WMD. It was a WMD. Just some biological unholy, warfare. Like, I'm, I'm trying to call up a priest from <laughs> my diocese back home to get an exorcism on, on B over here. And that's all she wrote. Because after that, it was over the side of the boat. All right, <laughs> let, let's move on. Maybe the viewers don't want to hear <laughs> 20 minutes of... Oh, that's fine. I'm just throwing my side of the story out there. B decided that he was going to elaborate for a minute. That was good. <laughs> Got a clap back. There you go. So that whole Fuck thing me. happens. We we finally get to 
where we're going to fish. We get the, the mooring ball all set up or we're, you know, anchored up in the sailboat. We got our two dinghies. And we spent, I feel like the first two, three days were just kind of a recon mission. Just kind of getting a lay of the land, trying yeah. to figure out, you know, you had been there before, but yeah. it had been some time. We were trying to figure out the type of water that we were, we should find these fish in, yeah. the type of depth and everything. It was like a whole R&D type of process. Walk us through that. Those days kind of blended together, but like kind of what our schedule would look like. We'd wake up. Yeah. We, I mean, we would wake up, the, the sun was rising super early. It was like 5.30 or something. So we'd get up at 5.30 every morning with the sun coming in. GoPro's dead. Uh, with the sun coming in, you know, we'd, you or I would fire up some coffee, get the, get the percolator going, maybe make a little bit of oatmeal or whatever, get a breakfast rolling. And uh, usually about by, what, 8 or so, 7.38, we'd, we'd kind of start heading out on the dinghies to the flat. And I mean, it was like all day we would get out there. The dinghy ride took us probably, you know, some days were, were longer than others. And that was a whole thing on its own. The challenge of trying to figure out the best way to get the dinghies there in the, in like an efficient process. Yeah. Cause we were going into the current and into the wind. So there were big rollers and yeah. the dinghies couldn't get on plane half the time. Like it was a whole thing. Yeah. It's B, a whole how'd science. That, how'd that process it? go for you to dial that in for us? There's a whole science behind the, the dinghy, uh, I guess, uh, how do you want to say? Getting an outboard to cooperate. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's a lot of like weight management as yes. well. Yes. And. Uh, Can't say that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> and of course, I mean, I mean, we bring a lot of gear because we don't just have fishing gear. We've got the camera gear to yeah. film this stuff for you guys. So we've got double the gear that yeah. you should have yeah. on these boats. So I remember like the first morning, the first full day, me and Adam and we're on a boat and then Steve and Scotty were on a boat and me and Adam ha- unknowingly had the fast dinghy. Yeah, we didn't know which dinghy was the good dinghy. Yeah, at the time. because none of us were able to break plane that first morning. We were all kind of putting out there. And I was like, I don't know what we did. You shifted your weight or something yeah. and we scooted something. And it's like we gained 10 to 15 mile an hour. Like, and you could see our reaction. We're like, oh my gosh, I had like the head cam (laughs) on. (laughs) And we, we raced out there, but it it was every day. It seemed like the dinghies acted different every single day. Cause we had to Mm -hmm. like move certain packs in other places. It was very dependent on weight. I remember taking one of the Yeti, the backpack coolers, full of beer, ice and water or whatever, literally like holding it over the front of the dinghy for the weight. Cause that thing was probably 25 yeah. to 40 pounds. And when I would hold it over to get all that weight in the front, it was like, boom, it finally up yeah. in plane. Yeah. And then we were yeah. gone. And we didn't have much of a problem coming back because then we were going with the wind, with the current. Yeah. yeah. But getting out there was tough for a bit. Yeah, we were getting sprayed, especially till you wet, got a yeah. little shallow in the mornings. That first bay, those rollers. Yeah. But even but even then, that's part of the issues that we had was that we had to wait for the sun to come up because you had like you could not go too early because you couldn't navigate through the coral and all mm-hmm. the on the flats without and the mangroves and all that stuff without being able to see. Yeah. So you I, had to wait. I was surprised. There was a lot of objects in that bay that we had to traverse every morning. And I don't think either one of us hit 
like a solid object. The only no. thing we hit was like sands. There sometimes. was that one yeah. really sketchy coral piece that we saw like yeah. two times yeah. coming yeah. back. That and was it was like just, sticking out of the water. Just out of the water, but like if there were waves, you probably couldn't see it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember me seeing it one time and they saw it another time. And it's like right in our path. And we somehow missed it every single time. <laughs> just by the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that it was a proper wrecker. Like oh, it, yeah. it just oh, I just rip your outboard out there. What? I'll rip your outboard out there. Oh yeah. 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 yeah it's crazy. So, that's kind of how the first three ish days went. Yeah. Just dialing it in. And mm-hmm. I think the, uh, we saw fish the first day, me and Steve saw some tailors out oh, yeah. there. And you and I got on, you and I had shot legitimate shots. You also saw some day. big bonefish. Yeah. Oh, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess the first day was more of an afternoon. Yes. Uh, me and Steve went out. We saw some tailors. And then second day, I was with Adam, and then they were together. And uh, did y'all see bonefish that day? We didn't see anything that day. <laughs> we, we, we were kind of driving all over the place, hitting different flats and just yeah. trying different water. We tried fishing out of the boat where, you know, Steve would be in the back. We cut the motor, just kind of drift with the current. You know, we, we tried using the dinghy as kind of like a skiff where we had these paddles and, you know, Steve would be in the back or I'd be in the back, just kind of pointing the boat and yeah. then we'd kind of just drift with the current looking for fish. We were unsuccessful in that. But we were fishing different water because we were definitely spreading out mm-hmm. so that we yeah. could find, like using, since there were en- enough of us in two different groups, you guys went and fished totally different water than what we went and fished that first day, the first full day so that we could kind of split up to hopefully start dialing it in a little faster. Yeah. We thought we had it, you and I had it dialed in. Yeah. Um, which was come to think about it, thinking back on it, it was very insignificant information that we got (laughs) from what we saw. We were the first ones to really have some shots at bonefish. Yeah. And, uh, I had, the first shot and Adam had went back to go get the dinghy and we were walking down this shallow mangrove section. These two were out in kind of the flat areas, um, you know, more open spaces away from the shore. And, uh, we were hitting the mangroves that were, that was close to the shore. And so that was kind of how we divided and conquered. And, uh, I was, I didn't get it on film cause it happened so quick, but I had two, very large bonefish roll up to me and it was just, it was chaos because they came in so quick. I threw a fly out there. There were sharks around me. <laughs> I threw a fly out there and I was like, Oh man, they're not going to see that. That's too far away. And so I pull it back. And once I pull it back, both of them go over towards the fly and are like, of course the flies out of the water by this point and they spook classic. And so I was freaking out because that was my first time to ever see them. Like me and Steve saw some tails and mm-hmm. you know bits and pieces, but with the daylight out there, I could see the whole yeah yeah the fish. whole school and the pot yeah. yeah. And then you see how big they are, and you're yeah. like, oh god, dude, it, it does but, something, to dude. You. Yeah, it, it does something to you when you see that school of bonefish, whether they're coming at you or yeah. they're moving, you know, left to right, right to left. Yeah, you see them, and it's like because you've been you're out there in the flats, and you're looking and looking and looking, and after a while, you're like, am I going to see anything? This is yeah. just, I'm just looking at the freaking water and there's nothing happening. Cause also not also to mention there's wind 100% of the strip. There was never a time where it was still, we always had wind yep. 10 to 
20 miles an hour wind the entire trip. Yep. So that current kind of makes you, you know, you start seeing stuff. You're like, you start, you, you want to see a bonefish so bad. And so you start seeing rocks that are in yep. the waves and you're like, that's a fish. And you get up to it, it's just a rock. So when you finally see those fish and you see a school and it's moving, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. That. And you just, it, it makes you shake, man. It's, yep. it's the coolest feeling. Yeah. I think that was a big moment just for me at least just to, to know what I'm working with, like to be like, Oh, I've never seen one before. That's what it looks like. That's what I should be looking for this whole trip. I feel like with any DIY trip where you're sight fishing like that, you've never gone off after a species, like seeing it in the water, you're like, okay, that's what it looks like. And that's control that, save. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> command, save. command ass. Save ass. Command. Yeah. Okay. Command save. Not control. <laughs> But so, so leading to the next day, I know you, Brian and I took a boat together and then you guys took a boat together and we kind of split up and, uh, we had walkie talkies up to this point, but unfortunately one of them, what, what <laughs> happened to that? I destroyed it. First day. <laughs> Got dunked into the water. Not yes. the only thing to get dunked into the water and break in this trip, but we didn't have any communication. This was like day three of fishing. Yeah. We had no communication between boats the only way we could you know communicate was like yelling or we'd have to go up to the boat or whatever so brian and i said we were going to go fish the mangroves up above you guys went up there full of mud and we were like we're not going to walk in knee-deep mud so we we busted down just below y'all didn't know that y'all had been we're going to be working over that way. Going ahead and front end us there. <laughs> high hole us. Do a little high hole in. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, you know. But. Potato, potato. It wasn't but maybe five minutes after we got out of the boat, if even that, that we saw the biggest school of bonefish that we've ever seen. Like 50 bonefish and their tails just going nuts. Everywhere. Yeah. I heard, I heard B got kind of jittery there. Yeah. Oh, it's total. If you rewind to when I was fishing for the bull trout, uh, you know, earlier this or last year, last year, yeah. I guess I get antsy. I get real antsy when it's like my first time to like try to catch a fish I've never caught before. And I, I was just losing it. It was like, <laughs> they were spooking everywhere. Like, I think maybe a bird flew over him first and we saw him spook. And we're like, holy cow, that is all bonefish right there. Wow. So we did a little stock on them and I was just losing it. Like, you know, fly, wind was blowing, fly line was going everywhere. I was getting hung and stuff, and it just wasn't working out. And I made several casts, didn't really spook them, but I was a little bit short. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get it out there. And I freaking just just slinged it out there. And, of course, the line just goes right on a huge school and just, <laughs> just, just goes everywhere. And I feel like that's like the first learning moment when you're going after fish that are as skittish as a bonefish. Some it's a toss up if you cast it a redfish if they're going to spook like that. Yeah. Uh, but bonefish like almost oh they always ninety nine percent of the time are going to spook like way that. more spooky yep. than a redfish. And I, I yep. didn't I didn't know that. And so of course it just I thought I was just defeated, and I was just like, and then they just started they kept coming back and I kept having opportunity after opportunity and I just, I couldn't get it. I don't know what was, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just it's inexperience. The, or, the gym a leg. The gym a leg. Yep. What gym is leg. that? You just got legs just started shaking. You just <laughs> oh, couldn't yeah. function right. Yeah. I needed a break. Cerebral sure. cortex. 
shut down. Yeah. Oh, I was shaking and I was filming. I was like, oh my God, there they are, there they are. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. And so, yeah, I actually didn't catch one from that big. <laughs> no. and, and, and there was multiple schools. They would break up and you'd have another school come in and they yeah. kept coming right at us and B was making decent casts. Like I thought pretty good casts at some point. They just, you know, you'd strip it through them and they would just not Z- eat it. Zero I, out of 50. I Those could, are pretty bad odds. Yeah, <laughs> I could see like I would... St- do a little strip through there and I could see like one or two peel off and come and look at it and then move along. And I don't know what the deal was with the big group. I don't know if we pulled many out of there. I know Steve hooked one maybe later, mm-hmm. but like yeah, the next day. Yeah. But like, I don't know what it was. I tried for those fish like all day. Well, I think something we noticed with the big groups was, you know, if, if you're casting at a small group, maybe eight fish, right? And you spook one of them. Only eight of them are going to, there's going to, the eight of them are going to spook away. But if you spook a group of 50, that's like a domino effect and yep. it triggers all the other fish to, to be all spooked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's great when you have a lot of opportunities at 50 fish, but you really only have like one opportunity at catching one of them. Right. And, um, but you know, we, we you and I stuck with that flat and I remember we, that, that school was coming around or there was another school or something on that flat. And we just decided to stick it out for most of the day and explore it. Cause there was just miles of flat and we decided to split up for a little bit. You had a GoPro, I had a GoPro and we we're just like, you know what, let's just split up, see if we can find. And I went kind of North of the school in good ways and started working around and wasn't seeing anything. Like I just, I saw you were casting at some, at a school and just kept kind of working. And then out of nowhere, I feel like a school just showed up and then another school and then another school. They were just popping up left and right. And I had shots at like two different schools, missed those. And then finally I see this school of probably eight to 10 fish just like cruising by and remembered a little tip from my red fishing trips I've been on of leading the fish and actually made a, a cast leading the fish strip, strip, strip and like boom. They were on and it was just instant mayhem oh, yeah. <laughs> instantly line going everywhere. It's like a bonefish grenade. Yeah. goes I, off. Yeah. I'm screaming like, Oh my God, what's happening? And, uh, the fish is just gone. <laughs> it's just For, first time you've ever seen your backing, not in a fly shop. Yeah. <laughs> first time a, a fish has ever taken me to the backing, but man, it was the, it was the coolest thing. Of course I'd love to experience that with, like you guys are next to one of you guys, but it was kind of cool going off on my own and seeing the fish on my, by myself, casting at the fish and land, like hooking it, yep. you know, it just it was like, wow, that, that just happened. There's all that chaos going on over there. And I see him going like this and you just hear me yelling stuff like that. And I hear, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to get my attention. I'm yeah. Like, oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. You lose control of, what you're saying when you hook a fish like that, mm-hmm. yeah. you don't, you don't know what's going to come out yeah. of the mouth. He was barking at me. It was the coolest thing. Just kept going. B made it over there. We landed the fish, got some photos, released him. And what? It wasn't five three minutes, five minutes, five minutes later. Yeah. Another school that just restocked on the flat came right up to us. Like from me to this camera right here. Like Shit. just super close. Hey, what are y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are y'all doing up here? And, and, I mean, it was just like, 
Roll cast. <laughs> yeah, just right there. And he took it, and I trounced at him, but he still stayed on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like you, you warned us, when you hook a bonefish, there's nothing that you can do at all to stop that first run. You're just there for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just, you just got to hold on and let him do his thing on that first run. Yeah. And then you got to catch up. Yeah. Especially the, especially the size fish that we were seeing too. Like you're not going to turn that fish. You're, you're, you're mm-hmm. not going to tell that fish. No. And it's not like, like the drag is super loose either. No, they're pulling. No, they're going. Yeah. So I think yeah, we've said that cool. we, we said it multiple times, but even when they would spook or we'd see a bonefish in the flat, we had never seen a fish that fast. Yeah. Yeah. In the water. I remember seeing them spook one up when they were getting the dinghy out. And I'm like, is this, is this my mind? Just cause I was like looking at a fish and it was like, <laughs> just, I mean, it was gone so fast. Yeah. So I think, uh, I don't know. Someone in the comments can correct everything I'm about to say, but <laughs> they're, uh, they're one of the hardest, like pound for pound, one of the hardest fighting fish in the ocean. And they kind of use in un like their predators are like barracuda and sharks and those kind of things. So they're kind of adaptive technique. Obviously they're pretty camoed in the water, the way that you see them. Like they're, they are pretty hard to see, but really they can outrun just anything else in the water as far as in that short speed bursts off a of flat. I mean, obviously they can't outrun a tuna in you know, deep water, but the, their ability to like be super agile and nimble and be able to like juke a shark and get off a flat it is obviously incredible. And I think that's the reason that they're so much fun. And that's the reason that that first run is just so incredible. Yeah. You're just there. You're there. Lines going everywhere. You're saying who knows what. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I've I've watched several of our, you know, us videos, GoPro footage of us hooking bowfish. And it's just like, (laughs) <laughs> and lines just you know just like, going everywhere yeah yeah that's, that's why they're thing. so much fun so but that was so great when you caught that first one it was so cool being right next to you and we were both watching these fish get closer and closer and you're like when is it when are they just gonna spook yeah and then one of them <laughs> hammered the fly and i remember you hooked him and for a second he didn't really know what was happening and he was kind of oh. That's he was a like spicy shrimp. stable right there, but you <laughs> see he was hooked and then <laughs> took off. Yeah. Yeah. And He's the like, fight was on. Oh, I'm hooked. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> but that was, yep. that was a really cool moment that day. And yeah, you and sure. I ended up sticking around the flat, poking around even more. Yeah. Hooked. We both hooked another fish. And yeah. It was. Yeah. Had epic. several more chances at other fish. You caught a different, a totally new species, uh, I don't even know what that was called. It, they called we, it a blue runner, blue but runner. I don't know. Type of jack from what yeah. Yeah. he was saying. Oh, uh, yeah. But for some reason, he was on the flat. And, and he was with a school bonefish. Yeah. Because there was a huge school bonefish coming right towards me. Mistaken identity. Yeah. yeah. And it was one of those where they were getting so close. Like, they would swim away, and then they would start coming towards mm-hmm. me. And I I was, like, ducking down and making a small little roll cast and just waiting. Strip, strip, strip. Yeah. Boom. Got he, one to eat. He fought pretty good too. Yeah. Oh, he made a good yeah. run. Took me into my didn't take me in my backing, but he took line and everything. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, at, at the morale was really high after yeah, that day. I, but I feel like just kind of keep it keep it going too on the on the facts is that 
so we obviously that was pretty we were all extremely hyped up that we'd found like this flat that had a bunch of good fish on it but then i feel like we also did a pretty good job of like okay what did we do what was the tide like we all like we did our normal kind of thing like we took notes off of that like yeah. mm-hmm. okay it was like we got we got back we were like, all right what time do we catch those fish Let's look at a tide chart to see what was the tide when we caught that fish. What what did it eat? What did it, you know, what were they doing? And, you know, kind of, I feel like really helped us start really putting a puzzle piece together. It's to like, all right, here's what's happening. And here's, here's where we found fish. Here's when we found them. As far as time of day, as far as tides, here's what we did and this is what worked. Yeah. You do it once. Like, I mean, I'm not saying it's that easy, but if you can kind of do that once, you're probably going to continue being relatively successful at it. Yeah. For the rest of your trip. For sure. Well, I think one of the things is we didn't realize the tide would have much impact because going into it, you know, from your experience, you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. The tide's not that big of a deal. And when you're fishing in South Carolina coast, yeah. the tide is everything. Yeah. Right. And so we didn't really realize until maybe day three or four that, Oh wow, the water did come down a lot. Yeah. This is low tide. And we started to kind of piece together where we should be when the tide was where it was. I mean, obviously the tide there is what, like eight feet. Like it's very visible. Very different. Yeah. But I mean here, you know, a few inches for a bonefish flat. Yeah. For a bonefish flat, but a few inches you're like, if you've never been there before, you're like, okay, I don't know. Is this high? Is this low? Like, what mm-hmm. is this? And yeah, in the past, um, I, you know, obviously the fisheries changed a little bit, but I don't know if the flats were just a little more consistent. They were uh, just a different depth, a better depth or whatever, but the flat just really hadn't mattered a ton when, when I, the tide been, or the, sorry, the tide had not really mattered a ton when I'd been there, but it obviously was mattering a ton for these fish. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we, we rounded out the rest of that day, and uh, I, I caught another one there towards the end, and we, we called her a day, high hopes. We took that intel, and then we... Threw know, it out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> into no. the ocean. No, we took that intel, and we came into the next day and approached the next day with what we had learned, and it still wasn't as easy as we thought. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, so Steve, Steve and I rolled up. So Steven still had. So you, t- you guys had caught one. I'd caught one previously. So you, now we you just hadn't had, caught one though. Well, not on this trip. Yeah, but at least I'd, I'd caught a bonefish yeah. before. Steven is the only one of us then at this point who had never caught a bonefish. So we roll up onto that flat first thing. Steve and I ended up having the faster boat that morning. Beat y'all there. We get to that flat, and I mean, we had not nearly gotten out of the boat when Steven and I see that school of 50 anchor hadn't even set at that point. Right. We're like, had cut the motor. We were kind of coasting in and I was like, there they are. And, uh, so we kind of get our stuff together. We get going. I mean, of course it's obviously it's hard to see a school of eight. You can see that school of 50 Mm -hmm. tails are just in, it looks like a hurricane out in the water. Water is going crazy. And so we kind of walk up to them. We get, we start getting set. Steve makes one cast. I don't know what happened. It just didn't connect on that one. But then they kind of circled around and were coming straight at they us. They did something weird. I tried to lead them and they yeah, just like and cut they off the wrong way. way. That happens. And very next cast, I mean, you landed it perfect. Fish are coming this way. Eats immediately. I don't know what happened, but it broke off. I got I got a good set on it. 
the problem was I had a big old thing of seaweed that was on my line there. And so when it started running at me, I just lost pressure on it. Because even with me backing up and trying to reel in on it, that seaweed would just drop in my line right there. That's yep. the story I'm going with. Yep. I like it. <laughs> that's your reality. That's, that, valid, that's yep. my reality. <laughs> that's yep. my perception of reality, at least. And uh, yeah, it was just gone after that, after that. I like it. And from there... And I cried. From there, we entered the time... There it started. The time portal, where the days just fused together. Steve hooking and losing fish just coming and going we've joked about it in the past and the fish gods maybe have heard and they made it a they real they think it's as funny as we I blame do. you guys then they made once. it a real I reality I blame you guys <laughs> it, yeah it's for seriously, instigating this karma it seriously for, was a, like a I'm not joking on Steve it we we went through like four days there yeah where it was the same thing you know us running exploring finding new flats, finding new bonefish and, you know, bathing in the sea, cooking, making sandwiches on the dinghies. I mean, it was like, that was kind of the, the middle chunk of our trip was just like, that was just us doing our time, putting in our, our time. uh, A lot of days had passed and we hadn't even noticed. Like, I mean, it just, they went by like that. Yeah. And they, they were gone. And like we, we had kind of, I feel like towards the end of those like three or four days, like kind of ran out of our honey hole. Like there was that big group, but they weren't as responsive as when we first found them. Yeah. Yeah. And as we came to find out, there was obviously the flat and then it dropped off into deeper water. So there was fish, you know, coming in and out on that flat, but even though we had seen them there didn't mean that they were going to be there yeah. the next day. And so we had, I, like you're saying, we had a couple of days we were fishing that same flat trying to find them and we just couldn't find them. Yeah. They disappeared. <clears throat> we're like, well, crap. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do? So, and then we went through a little phase of really trying to get you on some fish, Steve. And cause we had all caught our fish. We were fired up. I mean, Adam hadn't caught one on this trip yet, but we were really trying to get you on that, on that first bonefish, and you had so many shots, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't connecting. Just bad karma. Broke off on the first one. That was an experience. Second one just got unlucky with the seaweed. Next one, I just lost pressure on it. The one after that, I'm pretty sure got hooked around some coral. And I mean, we're starting to get ahead of the story at that point. But like, it's just it was just one thing after another, just inexperienced, unlucky. Just not paint it correctly and then just again getting unlucky on coral it just some things you can't help it's it's hard you gotta admit it though you know it just what is what it is for those things so steve was like the the focus there for for mm-hmm. a second to like okay he needs the best shots to get his bonefish out of the way check that box and then we'll go on from there you know for the video and we're like, okay, we, we heard some rumblings on the island of maybe a different flat. And this kind of sets up the rest of the trip right here. We were heard some sort of grumblings, had some sort of expectation that there maybe was another flat that we didn't see or that we didn't really pay much attention to. And so we're like, okay, same day, make coffee, breakfast, we run out you know, same route, same, looking for the same fish. Those 
50 fish weren't there. We're like, oh, well, crap. Yeah, I don't know if we'd pressured them too much. Or Probably. If, if they were just like, man, that idiot is up there on that flat again today. <laughs> trying to hook, try, just hooking us. and Look at these guys rolling up again in their yeah, two little dinghies. <laughs> the like, guy with that beard. I, yeah, I think, they, I think they knew at that point. So. so we were all out of options at this point. We had been to the same sand flat and our fish weren't there. They were nowhere to be found. And we didn't really know what to do because that was the biggest concentration that we had found to that point. And uh, we didn't know that we wouldn't see a bigger concentration than that, you know, the rest of the trip. But we heard some grumblings about maybe another flat just around the way, you know, little ways over from where we were. And we had kind of suspected it. Looked and, at it on Google Maps. Yeah, and, and we're like, we looked at it on the maps. We were like, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, we were like, what is that? Like, what kind of bottom um, is that? Like, is it a sand flat? Or? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different. It's kind of can be really hard to tell on Google because you've got like, okay, is it sand? Is it kind of grassy? Is it like coral? How deep yeah. is it? What tide is this at? Like, yeah, you know, all of those things kind of add up to try to really make it difficult yeah. without putting your eyes on it. Yeah. And so we were, we were focused on Steve catching a, a, a bonefish and we hopped up on that flat and we motored over to this thing and it was a shallow little shelf. And, uh, I guess the tide was pushing in mm-hmm. at that point and we had anchored up. We hadn't walked five oh. feet before we had. So we essentially spread out on the flat and, I saw a school of like six come right in between me and you. I was like, that's weird. Like we had just motored up. We had just gotten out of the boat. You know, you kind of like get in this mental thing where you're like, all right, I got to grind it out here for a bit before we start seeing some fish. No, we get up on that flat and here come a school of six bonefish between, between me and Scotty spooked. The sun was not. No. Terrible sun. Yeah. In our favor, the way the waves and the wind and the fish were coming with the sun, it just didn't work. But I was like, oh, crap, here's already, we're, we're already in them. I mean, like, it happened fast. Yeah. And then there was another group five feet behind them mm-hmm. that you and Steve kind of took this one route. And I guess you just had the better shot. I don't, I don't know what. I think I just said, sorry, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you had a couple chances. <laughs> I was starting to get a little <laughs> tired of guiding. I don't know what I don't know what all happened. I can say a lot of things right now, but I won't. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Steve doesn't want to relive this. I don't know what happened either, but I was like, "You high hold me." I high hold you, and I was like, "It's a good shot. It's a great shot. It's a big fish." And talk about it. What what happened? Uh, so oh, the fish was coming. Me. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah. But besides that, <laughs> besides me front and Steve, the fish was coming. My fly line was just going. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, it was textbook. So we, we found this new flat all immediately. We're seeing fish. We were up on the flat. We, it, we had all just gotten out of the boats. We we're all going to kind of fish together. Or you guys were filming and then me and Steve had the rods and you guys were going to get some content of, you know, kind of new flat, little bit of a new area. Um, and everything was kind of textbook for that fish. I mean, we saw the tails. It was a school of, I don't know, what six, maybe six to eight. 
uh, saw the school, saw, saw some tails coming. Um, really couldn't see the fish that well, but definitely could see the tails and kind of the school. And uh, they were headed straight towards us. It was a, I mean, it was pretty easy cast. I don't know, my second or third cast. Uh, ended up hooking up on one and had quite a bit of excitement because the flat, that flat was very different because it was mangroves on one side of the island. Pretty sh- long as far as like length along the island, but very short as far as between the island and the drop off of this little reef that we were on. And uh, so we were kind of like, all right, where's this fish going to go? Like, is it going to drop off into these coral heads? Is it going to run up into these mangroves? Or is it try going to try to fight up and down the reef and uh, on the flat? So anyways, I kind of hooked this fish immediately. You know, I'm in my backing and the fish is taking off and I'm trying to get up on it. And I see the fish running off the reef, which there are, there's a ton of big coral heads right in there. And I'm like, and I don't know. I was like, if that fish gets off that reef, that's gone. You're done. I was gone. So I'm running, trying to like make a bunch of noise and trying to kind of head this fish off on the reef side. I've never seen you move so fast in my life. I can be speedy. It was impressive. Yeah. Some knees to chest right there. So I was, booking it (laughs) (laughs) of this flat kind of right in between on the edge of the flat and uh all of a sudden that fish turns and heads straight into the mangroves i was like oh no i'm done i'm so done and i don't know how it got it kind of went around a mangrove and i guess there was a piece of seaweed there it brought that piece of seaweed with it (laughs) uh but it was after i guess we i you know i made it through that first run that we were talking about and then the rest of it was okay and Bryant grabbed the fish for me and I hadn't even noticed, but there was a group of tourists in a boat (laughs) right behind us that were going out on a reef fishing day. And again, we were kind of sitting right at the edge of this like reef and, uh, I turn around and there's cheering. Yeah. <laughs> these, had an audience. I had an audience, these tourists and these with their guide, I don't know, there's four people or yeah. something You're on like the boat. six or eight there. You so had quite the crowd, yeah. And they were like, woo! Mom <laughs> had the camera yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're watching that, I'd love to have my picture for, that you took. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I had a little audience there for my first fish. I don't know. Kind of what you said. It was. It, I, I feel like it was the polar opposite of yours. Kind of going off by yourself and hooking up. Like I was not with just us, but another group of six tourists on the boat plus their guides and watching what we were up I, to. So I thought it was really cool that we were all right there though. Yeah. Watching, that was watching unfold. I was yeah. filming and I, so I was like focused on, you know, making sure stuff was in focus, getting framed or whatever. I wasn't really watching the fish, but then Steve's right next to you, like telling you, you know, seeing the fish, yeah. Hey, yeah. tick, tick, tick. Brian's right behind watching the whole thing <laughs> unfold. Like it was really cool that we were all yeah. there. And then right when you hooked it, yeah, it was just absolute mayhem. Mm-hmm. You were running. I was, Brian and I, I was geeking out like, oh my God, fish on. And uh, ended up landing it. Yeah. Landed and it was that a one. toad. That was a good one. That was a good fish. Is your personal vest? That was probably my personal vest. Being very modest about it. I would say it was probably my personal vest. But I would definitely say it's probably one other than, I guess, maybe my first bonefish. It was, it was certainly will probably be my most memorable bonefish, you guys. And... Oh, oh. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I would definitely say it was maybe one of my most memorable ones for how much of a grind and 
you know, an effort we put into it. And, uh, no, it was really, it was really cool to be able to like, it, it, it was awesome that it was like textbook. It was another, it was a brand new flat that also worked out. So I think the, the vibes were high. We were all pretty dang jazzed to be like, all right, we're on to something else here. Our old flat that we, you know, had, I think we just fished it out. Our new flat is now the old flat. I don't know if these are the same fish. If, I mean, it's not that far from each other. It's not on, it's it's not a crazy thought to think some of those are the same fish that cycle between those two flats or whatever. And, uh, I don't know. I think we were just pretty, really hyped that we found a new spot. Yeah. Wasn't that the, uh, first bonefish you caught on a bonefish fly you designed yourself and tied yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I'd caught some bonefish on fish or on flies that I had tied. But yeah, that was the first bonefish that I caught on a fly I designed. And so that was that was fun. I liked I liked doing that. It's very rewarding, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like the whole full, full circle thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what cuz you casted you broke you casted a fish or something. What cuz we the, we the put ver- that fly on for a the reason. The very first fish that I hooked into and lost that day that you and Scotty both uh, caught yours was on that crab. Yes, but then you broke off a different fly, not that crab. But then you ca- you uh, you must have cast it. Oh, you! I did give you first shot on that flat, and you ended up getting a re- rejection. I think uh-uh. no. no. Yeah, I know we put that fly on because you got a rejection on a shrimp. Yes, that was after the one that you caught. So okay, to, to continue on from what Adam was saying there, after he hooked that one, it was back to me hogging all the airtime apparently because I couldn't catch fish. Well, Sorry. yeah, because so then, I could, then I could we had hooked them. I just could not land them. You hooked way more fish than all of us. Well, y'all put me in front of them more times than you <laughs> yes. guys. So, you know, I should have. If I hadn't, that would have been embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> Anywho, so Adam and I are sitting there, and I'm I'm putting, like, hey, Adam was on me about practicing before this, and I did. And I was putting the shots on these fish, leading them perfectly a good, like, one and a half to two feet ahead of them on the lane that they were going to. And the shrimp pattern that we were using, they just weren't. And after like everything was like probably the fourth or fifth rejection, where like the the school would just go over it, not even just caring about me, just slow strip, slow strip, slow strip. We kind of was like, okay, how to come to Jesus moment? We're like, well, we see a lot of crabs here. They hit a crab pattern earlier. Let's try this new crab pattern we're working with. Put it on there. Next tool that came up. Yep. Absolutely murdered it. Yeah, I mean that fish. And then I hit some corn and it was gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean that fish. Something's was, happened. And I lost the fish. That fish was textbook too. It was a big oh, yeah. school. I mean, it was not a big school. It was a school of big fish. Mm-hmm. Circled in. I mean, it was a it was a perfect cast from Steven. I mean, I, I don't think you were doing anything wrong by this point at all. I think it was just. I think the only thing I could say was my hook set, and I get that I have to have a more a subtle hook set with this, but I just I'm not doubt into that, and I feel like it might have been a little bit too soft in that sense. Yeah, could have because been. I came unbuttoned easier than I felt like I should have come unbuttoned on that. Yeah, because like I never got real actual like a release on the pressure. Like I had pressure for the majority of the fight after the first run, right, and everything. But at the same time, it's like it just popped the minute I kind of had semi-pressure on it so i yeah. think my hook set probably could have been a little bit tighter but again that's that's the whole point of this experience yeah. is like trying to dial it in myself takes a lot of time and you know you got to have the shots and got to miss a lot of fish to catch some fish apparently yep you got to learn there but I, I mean there were textbook shots and eats i mean they were obviously liking what we were throwing mm-hmm. we were finding fish 
Yo, Steve was doing all the hard part, just didn't get to do the fun part of the whole thing. So, unfortunately, so. Um, I mean, it was. I mean, it was awesome to see that fish. You know, kind of almost peel off a little bit, mm-hmm. and I feel like you can see when they're just muddling, spuddling around, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you just see that one that's like, oh, hold up, oh, I'm gonna eat that. You see that tail, and he kind of gets that tail with a kick where he's like. <laughs> Like 90 degrees yeah. straight on. It's the best. Right around, like, you know, your area and your 3D in your mind area of where your fly would be. And he just goes, and you're like, that's my fly. Yeah. He's that's my, my fly. fly. And it's so cool. No it's so good, rewarding to feel that when it's not a rock or a Because <laughs> I had plenty of times where I think the fly I was using was too heavy, where I'd be stripping in front of a group and it would get caught in a piece of coral. Yeah. And then they spook. Well, so the opposite of that is like the very first bonefish I hooked that second day or third day. Sorry, um, I thought it was like some coral, some grass I was hooked in. So like I, I did what Adam told me, a nice little subtle strip, hit grass, hit hit grass. And I was like, oh, it's grass. Let me do like a I wa- strip set just I, in case. I watched the fish eat Steve's fly. I didn't see that because I can't. I could not see anything at that point. I, you have to have a trained eye for this, and it takes a while oh. to get a trained eye for that. What I've learned. But yeah, so the, the next thing I'm like, oh, okay, let me do like a very subtle strip set, just very subtle, just to make sure, you know, okay, if it's on grass, it'll pop off. If it's not, I got the fish. She's gone. No, it was the fish. <laughs> there was no fly left. All I had was a broken no slip monolip. Yep. I was like, oh, Steve. Like, Steve I, it, it, it took me a few minutes to realize what happened, too. And once I realized what happened... Some very strong words were said. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, the GoPro no, was turned off. None of which will make the film. No, yeah, <laughs> not it, at all. It, it can be really tough to know, like, all right, is that grass? Like, it definitely, if you got a school kind of coming at you, and we were fishing flies that were supposed to sit on the bottom, uh-huh. like, just like a crab would. You know, it's not going to be floating in the water column. So we're trying to fish, like, the lightest weight crab that we really could and bouncing it. And obviously, you know, you're going to grab grass or coral. And there's so many times I was like, all right, here's a school, good a cast. Oh, oh, it's grass. Okay, hold up. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's coral. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I just remember y'all on that flat, after you had caught your fish, you and Steve went out and trying to get Steve on one. And I remember you guys just start running along the reef line. Yep. What what happened there? Because I was filming, and I was pretty far back, and I was trying to keep up, but I was still really far back. But what happened there? So um, we're in between seasons for men's league soccer in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh my Hassle. God. Nope. And, Turn uh, that off. So I'm trying to work on my endurance on uh, <laughs> Steven's a field fairy. So All right, we'll back up on that one. So as, as I, I just said, this was like right after I caught my fish, the fish, the way the, you know, kind of the wind, the current and the sun did not line up in the afternoon on that flat. Right. So the fish wanted to come at you but the sun was at your back this way, you know, kind of shining straight on the fish. So it was really hard to get a hold of where to go. So anyways, oh, or maybe I'm the other way. Anyways, these fish were all working away from us. It was that, the, I can think it was like the flow of the flat, essentially. They wanted to start at the bottom. Yes. Where we, towards the mangroves, and they like to flow up towards the uh, north side of the flats. Yeah. And they just, I don't know what it was about it, with the current or what it was, but every time that we saw yeah. a group, that's the way they went. Yeah. They would 
kind of run up to this fat area, they would circle that for a couple times yeah. and then just push off the north end of it. So I don't know if Steve and I had gotten into, I, I don't know where this group came from. Maybe they came from further in or maybe we just kind of came up behind them. But there was a group of fish that we ended up getting behind where we had to figure out how to get in front of these fish to get a shot. And, and it, they're moving just fast enough that you can't like, you're never going to walk just to like, get up there. Just slightly faster than your walking speed. Right. Like, cause they're, they're kind of, I mean, they're kind of muddling around, but they're, you know, moving obviously like to an area. And so the way those waves would hit that flat, we would run, we could run up the side of that flat without them hearing us because of those waves coming in. So we kind of cut out way far, ran through the surf and it would cut back in to get Steve a shot. And then we did, and we did that two or three times to get shots at that same school. Yo, know, so, I mean, you get one, maybe two shots as they were coming up. Okay. There it is cast. We were coming at them, you know, directly and pulling it straight away from them and, or, you know, perpendicular to the fish. And, uh, you know, maybe get one cast. All right. They passed. All right. Let's book it back up. Get to the next, you know, get to the next spot, get the fly ready, wait for them, get the cast. And then, you know, maybe two shots there. Then just try it again. I don't think you hooked one of those, did you? So that was when, um, that's when we realized the shrimp pattern wasn't working because I had mm. three, I had three shots at that school right that's there. Like it. three really good shots, great casts ahead of them, strip, strip, strip as they're coming over it. And they just, they they didn't get spooked by or anything, yeah. but they just were not having anything to do with the shrimp pattern. And then finally another school pulled up, got a good cast in front of that that other school. Eight. First, nothing. first shot. No, that was nothing on the shrimp pattern. That's when we switched over to the crab oh, pattern. The first shot on the crab pattern when we did switch, you, you, you yeah. hooked up immediately. Oh, yeah, immediately. And that's when we realized, okay, they're up here. They're chasing crabs. They're not looking for a shrimp pattern. I think we were using two – well, we were using the shrimp because it had lighter weight eyes. As well as we were also fishing the sand flat ahead of time. We were. Which is more shrimpier. And uh, I was still relatively confident in that shrimp pattern because of how light it was. I thought mm-hmm. that was going to be better. Uh, for how shallow that water was, but and, and how snaggy the bottom was, but it didn't match the hatch. But the yeah, the, I, I didn't think it would matter as much as it did, and uh, that crab pattern just every time if you yeah. got it in front of them yeah. without spooking them, they were on it. Yeah, I just couldn't land them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, man, and that just started the the chronicles of Steve trying to catch his first bone, which yeah. was that's much, what that's mo- what we should call this series. Yeah. Oh, we got some epic takes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. And it was like everyone, I'd be looking through the camera, see you hook up, and you can even hear Brian and I like, oh, let's go. And then comes unbuttoned. And And I I feel like I took it relatively okay for the first few. Oh, you did? I was just calm. You kept your cool? cool. Like, hey, guys, like, it's my first time doing this. What what, what should I do better? Like, you you just got unlucky there. Just keep at it. Maybe try this. Let me try that. And then... It just doesn't happen. Then finally, I, I mean, it's probably the, the seventh or eighth one that I hooked there, and I just absolutely just could not fucking handle it. Anymore. At a point, I'm, and I'm, I just took that entire rod and just just, just <laughs> sent it into the surf because I was just over it. I'm I mean, like, I'm done. <laughs> I was actually done, but I was just like, I was just so frustrated at that point. I was like, I had to vent somehow or the other. I you got. Oh, good. You were at a low point there. Yeah, I was. Like I, I've I'd done in my mind everything right that I should have on these fish. I've I've done it time and time again, 
and just could not land one. Did Did you think you were gonna? Oh no! Get there there chance? were several times that I was just like, I just won't catch a bonefish on this trip. I just, I just not gonna happen. Like we're here at day. I have three days left. I have two days left. I, I'm just not gonna catch one. Like every time I hook into one, I just lose it. Like something, something, an act of God, some seaweed bumps in there. I don't know what happens. It's just gone. And like there was one time, like it was right before I finally landed mine, and like I hooked one. And as I think it was the same school that I finally landed that one from, but I yep. hooked one, and like I had a great hook set, I did everything correct, and lost it. I, I it hit me on my back end and just lost it. And I look at B and I'm just like B, like I'm open to constructive criticism. I'm always open to constructive criticism. Tell me what I did wrong. And he just looks at me and I was like, nothing. I have no idea. You, I you, think yeah, we could tell. I mean, Adam and I watched one of the last ones you missed from afar from the dinghy but we could uh-huh. tell it was like with each fish that you missed it just was a little more frustration a little more frustration uh-huh. until you finally were just i remember you threw up. that rod in the water and you're just like you're probably just like what the heck yeah, yeah. I, like i wasn't done with it but i was just like i had i had to vent somehow yeah yeah like, and i was just like nope i took a few minutes had some woosaw moments picked it up let that let that pod reset Finally, at eight, and I was on that. <laughs> I was on yeah. that fish. Yeah, I'm still very new at like sighting these fish, and so I could see their bodies moving. But I just mis misunderstood, missaw whatever you want to saw, whatever you want to say about it. But I didn't realize that the fish that I saw that I thought was the front of the pack was not the front of the pack. There were some fish in front of that. All right, so I was yeah. like very concerned that I was actually going to line these fish. And so when I, I made my cast at them, it was a little bit too tight. Might not have been the best cast, but I was trying to get a good tight cast on about a foot, foot and a half out from them. But as I made that cast, I had that like gun shy moment in my head. I was like, oh God, I just, I, I just did not have enough faith in myself to think that that was the front of the school. And I was like, I just lined the front of the school again for the third time in a row. Like these fish are about to scoot, but nothing. And I was just like, Oh my gosh! Did I actually make the correct cast? <laughs> like I made, I've made a bunch of good casts, but I was like, did I actually like do this correctly? Because I had screwed up the last few. I was like, sweet, all right, cool. Strip, 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 and the next thing you know, I just see that tail just go ass up on that fly, and I was like, that's my fly. Little te- little little pop like that. I was like, that's not seaweed. That's a fish. Hit that. Hit that pressure. Put my rod down. He took it. Put pressure on him. I said, "No, I'm just, I'm just sprinting after this fish." Say, what did I say? I was like, "Not today, motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> just chasing after because I, I finally, in my head and in my heart, I felt like this is it. This is that fish. Like I've had so many missed opportunities. I've missed so many fish so far. Maybe not even missed. Like hooked so many fish and not been able to bring it home. But I like after getting that hook, getting that run, and being able to chase after that and that pressure I had on it. I was like, "This is it. This is the fish." This is what it's all been worth, all been working for. I was like, I, I'm going to land this fish. Like, on God, I'm landing this fish right now. <laughs> and bees in the background just, like, just eating it up. And I see Scoot and Adam off in the background just like, thank God he's finally caught a fish and can land it. Yeah, meanwhile, Adam and I are oh. 80 yards behind you down the flat, kind of just, like, working up towards you, uh-huh. towards you and B. And we we see you, you miss one, and then we see you hook up. And Adam and I are just like, let's go. (laughs) Just shouting and screaming. At least in your defense, you did also hook a fish that came off, came unbuttoned. I mean, it obviously happens. It's not, I mean, I don't know if it happens as much as it does 
anybody else that does Steve, but <laughs> I, and, and it obviously happens. Back to my defense, this is the second saltwater experience I've ever had in my life. Yep. The first one it was two weeks ago, which you really couldn't count as much because of the weather kind of just screwed us over at every point. Oh, yeah. It was bad. So it's like the first real saltwater experience I've ever had. Completely different from your trout fishing, your bass fishing, the whole state of mind, the whole way you're fishing for them, you know, the whole stalking them and trying to look for them. Like I, for for the first five or six days, I think it was, I'd be walking next to you guys, but there's a fish right there, nervous water, tail. I'm like, what? Do do, do what now? (laughs) Do what? I see, I see, I see a light spot there. No, no, not there. Over there. (laughs) That looks 20 like yards water. past that. You sure? Okay. That looks like water. And like, you know, so it took me, it took me a while to start getting that. And I'm still not good at it, but it's just one of the things like, you know, there's a very huge learning curve on that whole being able to spot them out there on the flat. Yeah. That, you know, mm-hmm. I just think it's very underrated that people don't understand. All, all that is, is just time, I think. And between, you know, I don't, I, I mean, how different do you think it is like spotting a redfish versus spotting a bonefish? It wasn't that different. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Once you kind of know what to look for. I mean, I would say it was, it was not that it's that bad of a thing, but you'd see some nervous water. Be like, oh, here's some nervous water. You might get up and get ready, and it's like a box fish. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Yeah, the bait pushing. There were some units of box. Fish yeah, we saw some up. big box fish, uh, but like I, I think that like being able to spot them just takes the time. And mm-hmm. other than time on the water, I don't, I don't really know what more. I mean, is there, do you do you know of any other way, or do you, do you guys know of any other way? If you know of another way, leave it in the comments. But like, how could you get better? At Please that let me know. From yeah. help. Oh, by a ladder, you know, and just yeah, you could stand on a ladder. Yeah, on the flat. Right. You <laughs> this could, isn't pyramid like. You could stand. You could stand on a skiff polling platform. Well, I, I said this like, in the last last episode that we recorded, but I think it's something to reinforce. But I think when you get out there, one thing that really helped me was. Instead of always moving, just standing in one place, especially when it felt really fishy, or maybe you saw a school in the in the, you know, a ways away, just standing there and just looking around and scanning. Because when you're moving, that current yep. is also move. You're moving with it, right? And you're not 100 percent on that spot, so it might look like something's moving. But if you actually stop, you can you can see the fish come in and like let stuff come in and happen. And so I think that's how I end up catching my fish. And seeing a lot of fish was just standing there and waiting for it to happen. So I yeah. think that's probably a great way if you aren't seeing fish is just slow down, take a rest, kind of scan around, spend five minutes looking around like that's yeah. okay. And maybe something will pop in. Maybe it won't. But how, how did it feel when you finally got that fish up, landed it, you and B got to celebrate? How, what was going through your head? We had to fight it for a second because it, it was it was close to not like... I know we said it was going to happen. You're like, not today, mm-hmm. but it still had a few more runs. Like we said, there's not a whole lot you can do in those first couple surges. And we had to kind of corral it into a sandy area. Yeah. Cause we were sitting on the edge of the uh, coral and the sand flat there, walking that seam there. And we hooked them on that sand flat. And you know, that was, you know, I'm walking one way, B's walking the other way, just trying to keep him on that sandy spot because, if, you know, if he gets in that coral stuff and he drops over the edge, we're breaking off on him. Thankfully, there were no mangroves there, so we were able to actually have a better corral than what Adam had to deal with on his first fish there. But it was it was some work. Like, we had to get on him, you know, and you'll watch that replay there. And I'm like, after he starts slowing down and he's not making those runs in my back anymore, I actually start smallmouth fishing him. He makes a run this way. I'm like, nope, this way. 
I, mean, I just start putting the opposite pressure on him because I was like, well, he's tired at this point. Like, we just need to put the opposite pressure on him. Yep. I don't know if that's right or not, but he was done with his runs, and we just needed to fight him and just keep him in that sandy flat. And B, thank you so much for helping me out with that because we corralled him, we got him down there, and he hooked him up. Yep. You had it in your arms. It's perfect. It's a perfect moment. Uh-huh. What we had came for was finally complete. Yep. yep. That was it. That's all so she wrote. Sick. It was so awesome. Yeah. Adam and I, I wish we were up there, but we were from afar, like just getting, mm-hmm. we were so pumped. Oh, but yeah. meanwhile, while you guys, while you were fighting this fish and landing it, I had like four or five shots working up towards your dinghy at, at school as a fish. And I think my experience was kind of the opposite of yours. My very first couple shots at fish, I hooked up. Like I had one really good shot, mm-hmm. hooked up, landed it. So I had all this confidence. Then I was like, oh, dude, like I, this bonefish stuff i got it figured out blah, blah blah and then i'm working up this flat while you're fishing and catching your first one and i'm missing shot after shot spooking i probably spooked six schools working up yeah. towards you yeah, including I- the two biggest bonefish i've ever seen in my life that spooked off of this reef and i had a shot at them they spooked but they were so big their backs were out of the water their tail i i, I thought it was a shark initially because it was so big um but, I mean, it was like classic fly fishing humbling you. Yeah, I, I had so many shots in that area where I would just be able, I would get, you know, I couldn't see fish at all, actually in the water at all. I was only casting at tails. So you'd see some tails coming through. You'd see those tails kind of coming in, coming down the flat. You'd watch them. All right, there's the tail. There's the tail. There's the tail you'd finally see one that's kind of rooting around almost like a redfish would just stop and just digging and get that cast. And without fail for like the rest of my time there, it was lining a fish that I couldn't see Mm -hmm. in front of the fish that was tailing made what I thought was a perfectly fine cast. There's no way that fish that was tailing was the one that spooked made a great cast there. There was always another fish in there that I just couldn't see. And to your point there, I think that was one of the uh, big learning curves that we had to work with was understanding how we should approach these flats with the light. Yep. Because, you know, I had the same experience when Scoot and I were fishing that flat just ourselves. Like, I was walking up that flat there, and it was it was a neutral light, so you had really not that great vision forward or backwards. But just walking up there, I walked within, like, 10 feet of a school and just spooked them. Yeah. Never saw them. No nervous water, nothing. no tails, nothing. And then probably – 10 or 15 feet past that scoot drops scoot legitimately drops the drone down to like get like a close-up of me eight, eight feet off the off the uh edge literally on the edge of the reef a school of 10 just spooks yeah and i about had a heart attack and we have it on gopro <laughs> yeah. it's me i just turn around I'm like oh my god what is going on here because he drops the drone down yeah and i hear the drone come down and the next thing i know it's like, yeah the school just spooks off the side of the uh yeah. flat there i'm just like what's going on here and it's just like you know that's oh, one of yeah. the things like the I don't want to say the lack of an experience, but that's the whole part of that do-yourself culture with this is like, you know, we, we had to get out there. We had to understand, okay, when we have this flat on this side of the island, we have to be aware that the sun's coming from here or from here with the tide going in or out and, you know, just being able to make those assumptions and and figure out where we should approach it was, was truly humbling because yeah. we got it wrong more than we got it right. And yet we still got on fish, which is, I say, think is amazing. And I think a lot of the trouble we started having there at the end in the last few days was uh, the tide 
it didn't match the time of day. It was obviously a little better in the morning. It was obviously a little better on the incoming tide. And then we just started kind of going downhill the past few days of the trip where the tide charts were not aligned properly, mm-hmm. where it was high tide super early in the morning coming down into a low tide. So all morning tide dropping fish moving off the flats to, you know, two o'clock where then finally you get to hit that incoming tide for the day. And it's, then the light is just totally blown Mm -hmm. for the last part of the day. The way, and again, just the way that this specific flat was arranged with, you know, where it was on the island, where the wind hit it and where the sun hit it. We didn't have that many places we could go fish here. Um, So like we had like a hundred different flats we could pick from. So we were really kind of stuck. Like, all right, well, we know where the fish are going to be. Let's see what we can figure out. In the last few days, even at the last few, the, like the last area we went to was just, it was just, you just weren't able to do it very well with seeing with the way the fish were coming and the way the light was just didn't work. Yeah. And we, you know, we got to sail around and explore some other flats, some other islands, which was really cool. And we saw some fish, but never had luck, you know, like we did where we, where we were fishing and where we caught our fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember one of the nights I had a, we popped out and had a, we get out there and we're like, oh, water's way too deep. Like this brand new flat, brand new location. And out of nowhere, again, within like three minutes of being away from the boat, we see a massive permit tail couldn't believe it that it was a permit and i still don't really get the whole like, hype around permit yet because i just haven't gone for permit don't, don't. no i know it's <laughs> it's like heroin it'll ruin you but these guys gave me a shot at you know hey go cast at it and i was like shaking holy crap that's a huge permit um made one pretty solid shot i thought uh he kind of just swam away from it of course like Permit. Like permit do. Like permit do. Oh, so it was a permit. That was not mistaken identity. <laughs> Didn't have any interest in the fly. So I switched rods. I grabbed the crab pattern. I saw him kind of working out towards the surf a little more. Get out there. Was about to make another shot. I really thought I was close to him. And out of nowhere, he's just gone. Yeah. That was a permit. Isn't that why you say <laughs> that permit's Spanish for disappointment? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds is. about right. But that was... I mean, up until that point, we never really even had a shot at permit. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was crazy. But, you know, I definitely that definitely struck a chord in me. And yeah, Scooch yep. got some PTSD from that because yep. I haven't he hasn't stopped talking about it. And I haven't. I've said probably the same yeah. thing like every day, yeah, I, which I, is I, fine. You won't. <laughs> we just like we need to get you some help. I know I need some yeah. help. <laughs> if, y'all, if y'all know a good permit therapist, <laughs> I'd love I. I Adam needs it. I, I need <laughs> one as well. It'd be great if you could get me figured out how to get me off that stuff. Yeah. Maybe go to rehab. I think it's like nicotine. You just never get away from it. Yeah. You, you sh- show me some pictures of it and then like shock me. <gasps> permit? <Bizarre. laughs> Do they have a little permit patch? That oh, we yeah. I need that put on? nicotine permit patch. Yeah. Put on right here. Yeah. It's bad. But I, you know, throughout the whole trip, I thought it was... Like we were, we were fishing so hard for bonefish, right? And like we do in a lot of our trips, which makes it really challenging, is we just fish so hard all day. 
right? Because we're like, we're going after this fish. We're here. We've done all this planning, these logistics. We just want to fish. Like that's, that's obviously the driving force of us being there. But I also really enjoyed a lot of like the in-between moments on the boat and us getting to swim in the ocean, you know, go snorkel a little bit behind the boat or playing music, hanging out, cooking yeah. in the, the sailboat and like getting to spend some, some time just enjoying the sailboat, you know, after a long yeah. day of fishing. I thought that was great. Well, continuing down our, I don't know if this, I don't know if you're ready to wrap her up, but one of my definitely favorite parts of this whole trip was that last day where we were like, all right, we've had the, we kind of checked the tides. We were like, all right, the tide is the same as it has been the past few days. It's trash today for what we're trying to do. Before that, we, you know, every day we'd have to refill gas for the dinghies just because we were going so far. And we bumped in that one day we bumped into a local guy who ended up being a fishing guide in the area. Yeah. Well, even past, even past that, we bumped into the sit, his sister. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> ran the gas station that we got. Who ran the gas station every day? Whose brother? She's was like, yeah, my fi- brother's a fishing guy. Yeah, he fishes. You should call him. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. That you know, sure, yeah, absolutely. We kind of keep getting gas. I turn around and she hands me her phone on speakerphone with him on the phone, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, said something to him. And the, and then handed me the phone. I was like, "Hello, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I fish. I don't know. It's Bryant's getting groceries and stocking up on some ice or whatever. And I'm just sitting here with his, you know, at the gas station. <laughs> Anyways, but, yeah, we, so we, ended we up end up this guy. Yeah, we end up running into him the next day and talking with him and talking about bonefish, talking about some of the areas. He kind of gave us some good intel and like yep. we had kind of told him what we had been learning so far, and he kind of helped justify some of the stuff we were saying yeah and we decided to to do a day with him just yeah. book a day with him and have him come yeah you know, take us out so we uh we probably kind of did it backwards from what if you're watching this you probably should do which is call up a guide <laughs> if you're going to an area that has a guide in it call up a guide and say hey i'm coming down i want to bone fish for a day go bone fishing for with them first and then go and then go do it yourself but um Anyways, we kind of did it backwards. We we were really kind of at the end of our trip, and we're like, you know what would be fun? It, like, we have a few days left, but we're kind of at the end of the fishing. Let's uh, let's take him out to the reef, because our, our boats could not make it to, like, the reef, that real big reef around the island. And uh, Scotty and I did. Well, y'all did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> a huge waste of time, but we did. Um, so we went fishing with this guy, just caught a bunch of fish, some snapper and a barracuda. And I don't know, we caught a lot of different fish with him just running jigs or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a really fun day. It was a fun break from how hard we had been grinding. It was like almost, almost more so a day of actually being on vacation. It was very relaxing. Is what right. It was. Cause just, like these trips are not relaxing. I don't want to say they're not fun, they're but not, they're, but they're, they're not, not, not relaxing, but they're not as relaxing as you would think. They're not relaxing for me no. at all. It's work. <laughs> it's work. It's fun, but it's work. It's, it is an, in, it's incredible amount of work trying to, you know, when you get, even when you get done fishing, you know, if you're on one of these trips by yourself with your buddies, you get to go have a couple of beers and go to dinner. That's not what we get to do. You know, we yeah. have to sit down. You're dumping memory cards for two hours. You're repacking coolers for the next day. I'm redoing fishing stuff. You're drinking drinks on the boat. And that's, it's a hard, it's that's hard to do. do. It's a hard and, life. That's you know, it's, <laughs> and you know, but it's like, it's, it's never a relaxing moment, but 
I feel like that that was that was actually like I was on vacation mm-hmm. that day with him because I got to I got to forget about. All right, you know I, what gear are we going to bring? I really hope these dinghies work to get here. What shots are we going to get? Not that we didn't need to get shots with you know the reef fishing, but you know it, it was a big pressure release valve for me off that he off took the care trip. Of everything for yeah, us. yeah, it was a nice. So that was fun. We got some meat for the rest of the trip, and then the. I'll definitely remember that for a long time. Going up on the oh, beach and doing a fun. beach barbecue. He kind of he kind of told us like on the island, like oh this this area is okay if you go do a beach barbecue. So we went over to that area and yeah, it was a good whipped it up. It was a good scene to kind of round out the trip. Oh yeah, that was you awesome. Know, all the hard work, you know, all the planning that you had done on the front end, all the missed fish, all the celebrations of mm-hmm. of caught fish. And then we went on the absolute meat hall and got to put them over the flame. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was just... They were good. It was such a good moment there because our guide, you know, we all spoke the same language as far as just DIY fishing and we all yep. really bonded over fly fishing and stuff like that. He's a fly fishing guide, even though he took us for a meat hall uh, with spinning rods. But like we all kind of spoke the same language and he even joined us there on the shore and uh, it was just a good way to 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 kind of put a cap on our to to end our our session there. Yeah, it was. And I think it was so fun talking with him all day and just learning about the history of the island, learning about mm-hmm. just his past with getting into fly fishing. Because this is a guy you know from the Caribbean who is not much that much older than us. Grew up a completely different upbringing yeah, than we did. Totally different. But we all obviously have this shared thing with fly fishing. Yep. And even though we have different upbringings, it's like we still were able to relate and have such yeah. a f- fun day with him. And like it didn't feel like, I don't know, we were trying to get along with him or something. No, right. And that's what was, I thought, just a, a nail on the coffin at the end of the trip to invite him out. And he wanted to come out and join us in the beach camp. And we cooked, you know, the fish that we had just caught right on the beach right yeah. there and ate it. Like that was, I've never done anything like that. And that was really was a awesome. great way to wrap the mm-hmm. trip up. And yeah. And to hear about like, you know, the different things in the fishery and like kind of how it is for him. Like what are the, like what's affecting the bonefish or the reef fishing. And I, I, I enjoyed all that part too. Like mm-hmm. try kind of. Yeah. hearing from him like what was going on in in his world from a fishing standpoint too if we had just came there and not met him we wouldn't have gained the respect that we have for the fishery it's, no. it's different when it's from our eyes you know from a you know bunch of guys that grew up in the southeast it's different when it you know if we just came and left we would take only a little minuscule amount right with us but since we met him and he's like yeah i was you know, I grew up here. This is my fishery. He told us all these facts about it. And it, it was just, we all just kind of sat there and we're quiet and we listened and we gained a new respect for this fishery as we were leaving. And uh, it's it's now a lot more special to us versus yeah. if we had just shown up, caught some fish, went out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Went back to Alabama. Or now it has a story whatever. for us back history. Now it means something special to us. You're right. Yep. Yeah. But I definitely recommend if you guys are interested in getting on a, you know, going to doing a saltwater trip, book a saltwater guide, even if you're trying to do it as a DIY trip, unless you are pretty confident you've done stuff like it in the past or before. I mean, 
you know, I, I really think getting a local guide, especially if you're out of country for the first day, and then even if you can't afford it for the, you know, you can't afford to get a guide for a week, but go down there and get the first day, get a guide. And then you're the rest of the time, try to fish by yourself. If you can't afford to, you know, just fish with a guide. And, uh, I think it'll help you out a lot with the, with the area, you know, the fishing, the, what you're looking for, what the fish are doing, the tides, all that stuff would be really helpful. Well, and even to that point, our buddy even mentioned that, you know, he's, he even said, you know, a lot of his clientele cannot afford, you know, a full week of, of guide trips with him. So, yeah. I mean, that's know, a lot. Take him out, get, take the guide early in your trip. And then, you know, don't ask them putting in honey holes, ask them to teach you how to fish for them. Right. Get some knowledge from that trip. Don't just use it to get on fish for that Instagram picture. Gain some knowledge from that so that you can extrapolate from that and do it yourself after that. Yep. Take your dinghy, rip it up to a flat you think is going to be good, and then just go from there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we wrapped up, you know, our first ever bonefish trip together. What are you guys thinking now? Like, where where's your head at? What What's next? Smallies are popping off back home, so I am looking forward to that. <laughs> I feel like what's next is the same thing. This, even though we put a different twist on this trip and there's a little bit different subject, location, it's still that DIY, uh, you know, subject. It's still that DIY project that we're all trying to complete. And uh, I, I think it's just, we're going to, we're going to find another thing to do. And I mean, that this is what we like to do, even though it's work. I mean, this is, we're going to find something else and whether it's another bonefish trip, so be it. We're, I think we're all pretty cool with that after this week, but, uh, you know, we'll find something else and yeah. We're going, we're going back to the bus. Yeah. Short and simple. Next, next trip is back with the bus. This one, I really, I, I don't know if it, hopefully the video kind of portrays it a little bit. I, I really feel like the, the sailboat is so similar to the bus. And when I'm in the bus, it reminds me of being on a sailboat. Everything's cramped. Everything's tight. You're on this little vessel, boat, whatever, bus. You know, you're always scooting past each other. You're always in each other's way shit's always disorganized because we have too much stuff for how little room we bring. You know, it, it, I always feel like the, the bus and the boat are such a similar vehicle. That's just like taking you from fishing spot to fishing spot, different vehicles. Yeah. Different, different vehicles, but same mission. Yes. Yes. Life in the slow lane with those. Yes. And sailing is very much so like the bus because you are in the slow lane you know, you're not going anywhere fast. Uh, but the next trip is certainly back with the bus. I don't know a hundred percent where it's going to be yet. I'm just kidding. I know where I, I do, but, um, y'all don't. And I guess that's kind of the point, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but we'll definitely, I mean, I think this for all of us, you know, fishing for bonefish, getting to have the experience, especially the time that we were here to really like spend a lot of time figuring it out, learning, failing like day after day. I think it's definitely got me hooked. And I know all of you guys hooked to just looking on maps. Where, where are we going next? Like what's the next bonefish place we're going? What's the next, whatever trip we're going. 
And I feel like this trip, like any of them, was just screaming adventure and anything that's like something. It's like we look at this stuff on a map. You, you hear about bonefish or whatever it is, but you just have to figure it out. And we had to go there and, yep. and check it out. And so whatever that might be next is uh, it's going to be the same deal. So y'all are flying back tomorrow, right? And I'm going to get back on the boat. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I'll meet you over there where we were at. Steve and I are actually moving to the island. We've we've purchased a little piece. Of property we got there. Wi-Fi hotspots. B, where are you going? I'm gonna go. Eat, I'm gonna go eat some fried chicken. That's back that's in, fair. Back yeah, in fair the that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Some hot well, chicken. All right. So I feel a little bad. We haven't had any Hobo Steve's words of wisdom for this adventure. We didn't need that. So I'm gonna throw some down right now. Oh God, here we go. Have a seat. Take a seat, guys. So no matter where your next adventure is, make sure to have fun and learn something new because that's what it's all about. Wow. Boom. Amen. Well, we pre- out. We're going we're gonna to end I'm it with done. that. That's some big wisdom right there. Hot yeah. take. There we go. But, man, I'm, I'm excited to get going on this, this film. It'll, it'll be out by the time this podcast is, is out. So I hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> and uh, if you yeah. don't, it's okay. It's okay. We still love you. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> can't can't hit yeah. every time. Well, I know it might be a little different. Hopefully, some of you guys like. Hopefully, you guys like the saltwater stuff. We got a lot of requests from you guys to do a saltwater trip. Yeah. Um, a lot. Of, some of you said redfish, but we got so many requests to just do a saltwater trip, and we kind of all came together and said we want to do that saltwater trip. How are we going to make that happen? And the sailboat was the first thing that popped up as far as like being on brand kind of very, how can we do? And that was kind of the question was how can we do a saltwater trip? Like the fans have, are requesting, but keep it kind of that short bus mentality. Yeah. But it's something that like and, makes sense for what we want to do. Right. How, the, how the we sailboat was like the answer to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we could have done this easier, but it wouldn't have been the same feel. I don't think. Yeah. Like, the, as the sailboat was. So yeah, hopefully you guys liked it. I hope that you guys are inspired to go check out, you know, maybe a bonefish fishery. Maybe you grab a couple of your buddies, go head down to the flat somewhere, go do a DIY trip, go book a guide for a day and then get out there for the next three or four days afterwards to go fish yourself. And, uh, you know, really start putting it, putting it in, uh, putting in a little bit of time. And I think you'll, you'll be definitely rewarded with some bonefish, but it's a, uh, it's definitely a new thing for some of you guys, but hopefully nothing from the podcast or this film, you know, kind of turns you off of it or dissuades you thinking that it's like some Uber expensive or some, you know, unreachable goal. You know I mean? We really truthfully, especially if you split it like the four ways between us did not spend very much money on this trip. And like, and we also did it pretty extreme. Like you don't have to rent a sailboat. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah it was extreme because we obviously want to bring the video for you guys. But I mean, you could definitely do a bone fishing trip cheaper than what we did. But even then what we spent was extremely reasonable for, for a week long bone fishing trip. Two, yeah. So anyways, Oh, that doesn't dissuade you guys. Hopefully you like it. Leave it in the comments below. <laughs> Peace. Make sure you smash that like button. I don't know. We're piecing. There you go. That's what the YouTube well, we, Yeah, we appreciate you guys, guys listening. Check out the, the brand new merch line. We got some exclusive Sailboat Diaries gear and some new Wildfly gear. Go check that out. All linked below. And we'll see you guys in the next adventure. Peace. We're going to eat some burgers. Peace.